right, Mark chapter 7 tonight. Mark chapter 7. I'm going to read a lengthy passage of Scripture here, but pay close attention to everything that's mentioned in here, and we'll be kind of be referring back to some of this as we go through the message. But I want to read the whole story before I get into our subject tonight that we're going to talk about. But Mark chapter 7, in verse 1, it says, Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. You know, I hate to stop it right here, but I wish I'd have known this past a little better when I was a kid and I would get in trouble for not washing my hands before I ate. You know, that would have been a blessing if I could have. You know, Jesus' disciples didn't wash their hands before they ate either. But anyway, uh, my parents probably would have brought up Ephesians 6 1. But anyway, verse 4 When they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be which they have received to hold, as the washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels, and of tables. Is there anything wrong with washing your hands, washing dishes, washing tables? Anything wrong with that? No, I'd say it's probably a pretty good thing to do. But uh, let's keep reading. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you, hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men, as the washing of pots and cups, and many other such like things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, If a man shall say to his father or mother, It is Corban, that is to say, a gift, or whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be freed. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye. Basically, what he was talking about there, they were taught in the Bible that if you had the ability to take care of your parents, if you had an inheritance, or there was something that they needed, you needed to take care of your parents with that. But all they had to do, they could be selfish, and what some of them would do, they would pledge it as a gift to the church. So, for example, if I had, let's say I had an extra house and you know five acres that my parents could use. They're getting up in years and can't take care of themselves, but I don't want to give it to them. I want to keep it for myself. All I have to do is pledge it. And I say, well, know what? When I die, I want that to go to the church. And then basically, it kind of belongs to the church. And this is according to their customs and things they had back then. It would belong to it would belong to that person until they died, and then it belonged to the church. But in the meantime, while that person was living, you know, they couldn't get rid of it or do anything with it. And it was basically a way for them to just be selfish. And he Jesus is telling them here, you all are violating a command in the scriptures so you can follow one of your traditions that you've made up when it comes to pledging gifts and things. And a, and a child is not honoring his father and mother. And according to the commandment of God, they ought to die the death for that kind of thing. 
And so that's what he's talk, talking about there when it says it is Corbin. Uh, that word means you know, it, it's a gift. It's a pledge that I've promised that to the church, or to, not to the church back then, but to the tabernacle. And so nobody is able to touch that until I die. And it was a, something they would do so they wouldn't have to fulfill their obligation to take care of their parents. That's pretty pathetic. It's pretty sorry. But they put their traditions over the commands of God. And that was a huge problem. And so in verse 14, and when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he saith unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do ye not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him, because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the drought, purging all meats. And if you wonder what that means, it goes into the drought. Well, they had what was known as drought houses in the Bible, which today we would call an outhouse. I guess you could say, so that will give you an idea of what that means. Verse 20, And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. And not talking about what goes out into the drought, but basically talking about your actions. Okay, The things that you do, you know, the words you say, your actions, that's where you can be defiled. Not by what goes in. Not by what you eat. Verse 21, For, for, for from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon entered into a house and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. So this was right here we see him basically teaching them something. You're not defiled by unwashing hands. You're not defiled from things that come from the outside. Even though, according to their laws that they had there in the Old Testament, you know, you could be defiled by a dead body. You know, by touching a dead body, uh, the carcass of an animal, or things like that. There were certain, um, you know, there were a lot of rules there and they would use words like defiling. But here, Jesus is teaching them something here that, you know, there's nothing that from without or that entering into the mouth that can cause somebody to be defiled. It is what you end up doing. It's your actions. It's what comes out of a man. That is what defiles him. And those things that come out of a man, those are things that come from the heart. People talk all the time about falling into sin. You know, somebody you know goes and they commit adultery or something, and they act like it was just something they fell into. You know, I just fell into sin, like it was an accident, like it was something they couldn't help. But according to the Bible, these things they don't. They don't just happen. They don't come from the outside. They come from within. They start in the heart and then they eventually produce something on the outside. And when that happens, then a man is defiled. And that's what Jesus is trying to teach here. But we see here in this passage, He gets on to the Pharisees because they had traditions that were causing people to violate Scriptures. And what I want to talk about tonight is, I want to ask you a question. When it comes to the rules that you have in your life, the things you do in your day-to-day life, the things we do here as a church, our methods, our rules, whatever you want to call them, are these things that we're following, are they commands or are they 
traditions. Are they commands or are they traditions? A lot of times, preachers get accused of basically being like the Pharisees and a lot of the things that we preach on, you know, they'll say, you know, these are just traditions that are being taught in the church that are made up by men, that are made up by preachers, and we should not be teaching these things. We shouldn't follow them. And I might get into some of these specifics in a little bit. But, you know, are we following commands or are we following traditions? Are we really being obedient to God or are we being obedient to men? In our life, how can we tell? How can we tell? You know, because the truth is, there's a lot of things that people preach about today that aren't specifically mentioned in the Bible. Okay, you might you might hear a preacher get up and he might preach a whole message uh, warning people against the dangers of the internet. Well, they didn't have internet in the Bible days, did they? So is he just up there preaching? You know, starting new traditions? You know, if he gets up there, maybe he gives some guidelines and things you ought to follow. You know, is he making up traditions? Or is he teaching commands from the Bible? How do we how do we tell the difference? You know, when it comes to you know things like clothing, you know, are these you know that's often uh, you know we're often accused of basically teaching traditions when it comes to our clothing and not necessarily biblical commands. You know, how do we know? Am I following a command of God or am I following a tradition? I think there's some ways that we can figure that out. But a few things we need to understand about traditions first. Okay, Traditions are not always bad. Okay? Now, the Pharisees' traditions were bad simply because of the fact it caused the people to violate a command of God. Okay, If you have a tradition that causes you to violate a command of God, then you have a bad tradition. Okay, many families have their own traditions. Okay, you might have you know Christmas traditions that you do, and there, there's nothing wrong with that. You might have your you know things that you do on special days and birthdays. That's I, I don't I can't see where there's a problem there unless it causes you to violate scripture. Anytime a tradition causes you to violate, violate scripture, it's clearly bad. But they're not always bad. And proof of that, Second Thessalonians chapter two verse fifteen. Paul's talking here and he says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Okay, right there. He said, You follow these traditions. The methods that we have taught you, the things that, the things, whether it be something I wrote down in an epistle or something that you heard me say, hold fast to those traditions. Hang on to those things. You know, there's a lot of things that I've been taught by preachers over the years that they don't necessarily have Bible verses for. That I will admit, you could say, they are traditions. Okay, But at the same time, I don't believe I'm violating anything in the Scripture by keeping those things. For example, you know how many have ever heard the uh, phrase, I just saw somebody who's actually using this as like a promo in their church. I forgot where I saw this. But how many have ever heard the phrase, three to, three to thrive? Ever heard that? And what does three to thrive mean? Basically, hey, if you want to thrive in your Christian life, you need to go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Now, is that in the Bible? No, that's a tradition. But is it bad? I mean, is it bad to teach people, hey, you ought to go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night? I mean, has anybody gotten hurt from going to church too much? Okay, most people get hurt because they don't go to church enough. And you know the Bible does say not to forsake the assembling, and I don't think we're overdoing it. I think if you study the book of Acts, I think they went to church more than we go to church. We see them daily 
in the Word, you know, as a group, as a people. I'm not saying we have to have church every day, but once again, the Sunday morning, the Sunday night, the Wednesday night, yes, it's a tradition. And you know what? I intend on holding fast to that tradition. I'm not looking for an excuse to give these things up. I'm not looking for an excuse to give up Wednesday night service. I'm not looking for an excuse to give up Sunday night. I'm not even looking for an excuse to change from Wednesday night to Tuesday night or Thursday night. Now, I know some people that do that when they start churches. And a lot of times, it's there's practical reasons for it. A lot of guys that are church planners, they're still trying to raise support and stuff. And by doing that, it enables them to go to other churches on Wednesday nights. I know some preachers... They have their midweek service on Thursday night. And because they live in areas where they have several different churches, you know, within driving distance, and they enjoy going and hearing preaching themselves and just the fellowship. They feel like they really need it themselves. And so they do that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But then there's like, there's some people, they want to do it because they want to walk disorderly. And they just want a buck tradition and you know, show that I'm not, I don't have to follow these things. We'll do things the way I want. And I think that's wrong. Okay, 2 Thessalonians 3.5 says, And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God, into the patient waiting for Christ. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every, every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which ye received of us. Okay? You know, those people that come along, you know, these young guys that come along and want to change everything just because, yeah, we're not commanded in the Bible. Three to thrive. Three to thrive is not in the Bible. You know, where do you see them doing Wednesday night Bible study, prayer meeting and Bible study on Wednesday night in the Bible? I'm not doing that. I'm doing it on Tuesday. Or I'm just not doing it at all. You know what they're doing? It's like they're just walking disorderly. You know, I, I don't I don't mess with people like that. Why? They're not following the traditions that are there's nothing wrong with that have clearly been passed out. I'm not going to go judging these guys for it, but when they're when they feel like they've got to try to influence other people away from traditions that there's nothing wrong with. When they have no scriptural basis, they're not using any Bible to prove there's anything wrong with this. I say, forget you. You know, not interested. If you really feel that's the way God wants you to do it in your church, you all go do it that way. But if you're just trying to make everybody follow you, I, I'll put you in the category that we see here in Second Thessalonians. You're walking disorderly. You're trying to cause trouble. Forget you. Okay, I, I'm very familiar with the type, you know, the churches, the, their traditions, what they teach. You know, that I come from. You know, that have the Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And you know what? I'm not scared of what I see in those churches. I'm not scared of what they're producing. These people that come along and want to change everything just to be rebellious, I'm seeing what they're producing. I don't like it. I'm not impressed. And so, you know, yes, we do these things out of tradition. But until you can show me in the Scripture where we're violating a command... I don't think there's anything wrong with it. We see Paul encouraging them. He didn't say follow the commands of God in these areas. He said, no, follow the traditions. Okay, And so, it's not always bad to have a tradition. Now, traditions, though they can become a problem when they become idols. 
And traditions can become idols if we're not careful. You know, because salvation is by faith alone, many people who don't have a lot of faith, they're anxious to do all the traditions. They're anxious to do all the outward things because it gives them something it gives them something visible that they can look at to help them feel like they're a part of something. You know, I mean, imagine for example, you know, I I can only imagine, but I imagine it's probably a big deal for a police officer when he gets his first badge. You know, think about, you know, these somebody who's wanted to be a police officer, I don't know how long they have to go to school. I don't know how long all the training is, but they do all this training and stuff. So they can get their badge, and, you know, they go in and you know they take their oath or whatever, and that guy pins the badge on them, and I can imagine them feeling pretty good walking around with that star on their chest. I'm a police officer now. It probably feels pretty good. And it feels and it does it they have something that proves it. Okay? They have some they have there's something visible that everyone can see that proves that they are a part of something. That's big. They are they are a police officer or a member of the FBI or whatever. There's something visible that people have that they can show everyone. Well, when it comes to us as Christians, what do we have that can prove to everyone that we're saved? Really, all we have is our faith that we can share. There's nothing there's nothing necessarily visible. The closest thing that we might have to something visible is baptism. Okay, that's something that we do, and many people are anxious to do that. I mean, they they do they want to do something because it helps them feel more like they're saved. It is it's not enough for many people to just believe in their heart and call on the name of the Lord for salvation. They want to do more than that, and I do. I'm always I've, I've talked to people before who want to. It's like they'll come talk to you and they want to get baptized. And you know, if somebody wants to get baptized, well, you know, I want to find out why. You know, hey, did you get saved? And then it's like, I can tell when I'm talking to them. I talked to some people one time that came here, and they were there wanting to get baptized. But when I was talking to them, it was clear they hadn't been saved yet. And they wanted to get saved after I told them because it was like you had to get saved if you're going to get baptized. And it was one of those things where I'm like, I, I, I was really hoping I could get this across to them. Yeah, and they and they got saved, they got baptized, but you know, I always kind of wondered in my mind, are these people just, you know, they want to have that outward thing, you know, they and because many people do, they like having all the outward things that come because it helps them feel like they're part of something because faith isn't enough. There's many people that will come, they'll start coming to church, and they immediately will start doing everything that everybody else does. Oh, you all dress this way in your church. Well, I want to do that too. Why? Is it because you feel the Holy Spirit's directing you that way? Is it because you know you learn from the scriptures, you know, that God wants you to, you know, dress modestly and you know, ladies to dress like ladies and men to dress like men. You know, he wants you to shine as lights in the world. You know, is that why? Or are you just wanting to look like everybody else to help you feel like you really got something because faith isn't enough for you? And there are, there's a lot of people that will come and they'll immediately adopt all those outward things and those things become idols to them. And then somebody else comes along, maybe they get saved in the church, they don't change real quick. You know, maybe they're slow learners, slow growers, whatever, and that other people in the church, they start looking at them, why aren't they accepting all our traditions? 
Why aren't they accepting worshiping all of our idols? Basically, is what they're saying. Why aren't why, why aren't they as quick to dress like everybody else? Like I was. Well, I did that stuff right away. I immediately went home and I threw everything out that you know the other people in the church didn't wear. You know, and the truth is, it's like that in a lot of churches where I mean, before you can become a member, part of that church. I mean, you do. You've got to go through all these channels and do all these outward things, and basically, you've got to agree to all these traditions. And it is. It's almost like they become idols, and we got to, we got to be very very careful with that. But Colossians two six says that he therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. So walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. You got to be careful when you get saved. If you're, if you're, if you don't beware, there are people that will come along and they will get you all caught up in their traditions. There will be, you know, there's people that get saved. I've said this before. I believe they really got saved, but then they get in the wrong church. And maybe this church starts teaching them, hey, have you spoken tongues yet? No. Well, man, that's that's part of salvation. And if you really got it, you you better speak in tongues. Well, you know, and they're they're just anxious to do whatever. And they do, they end up getting spoiled. They get caught up in all these things. They'll go do the baptisms for the wrong reasons. They'll go and they'll finally, you know. They'll get them hyped up enough and demon-possessed enough that they'll be able to speak in tongues or whatever. And they'll start doing all these things that they want them to do and they end up basically getting spoiled through philosophy. You know, there... I mean, you you name it. There's a lot of crazy religions out there. Hey, you're saved now? Well, you know, you're supposed to start dressing like you're from the 1800s. You know, they join an Amish church or something like that. Oh, you know, you're really saved. You know, you've got these cults that are out there. That will get these people caught up in all kinds of weird things, you know, like the Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, you know, now you're, now you're Mormon, you, you got to start wearing the sacred underwear or whatever things you know they have in their religion. And people do; they're anxious to do those things because you know a lot of times they're weak in faith, and these traditions they they end up when the Bible says spoiling them too. It's not spoiled like a spoiled brat, but they base the spoil in the sense like somebody when they conquer a place they take everything. Oh, there's yes. Well, I think that a lot of that's because they don't have enough faith in their basic salvation. So it's like when they speak in tongues, they think that that will give them a fast track to God. That all they're doing is deceiving themselves. Exactly. And and the thing is, like like I said before, you know, faith alone. That's how we're saved by faith alone. And some people would rather have speaking in tongues and experience. Something they can put their finger on, or something physical, and I'm afraid many times these people they're not even saved, and we've got to be careful not to make too big a deal out of traditions because people will start, you know, those will be the things that they notice about us, and they will think part of getting saved I got to start dressing like the Baptist, I got to start, you know, doing I got to start doing three to thrive, you know, whatever it is that we make a huge deal about. Okay, that isn't necessarily wrong. If we make those things idols, then they are they are wrong. They are they are a problem. So we got to be careful with that. But you know, traditions they're they're only a problem 
when they become idols, when they cause us to violate Scripture like we saw there uh, in Mark chapter 7, they went and they, I mean, clearly were violating a command of God because of this tradition they have. You know, and I've had people before, you know, oh, you know we can't go to church that day. You know, we've got this family thing and we have this tradition. You know, it's like I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to respect it. Ooh, Family tradition, oh yeah, that that definitely trumps what the Bible says. You know, uh, you know, don't don't tell me that. If you have a family tradition, it's fine, but just just don't show up, don't lie. All right, you know, don't lie or don't don't make up things like that. That's not that's not a good excuse. But they do. They will, many people will violate a command of scripture for tradition. We see that type of thing in the Catholic Church, for example. You know, they've got they've got all these sacraments and things that they do, and many people in the Catholic Church. Okay, they they are well-meaning people. Okay, they are good people according to our standards. But when you go to them and you show them the true plan of salvation, and maybe you you do you show them what the scripture says. You show them that hey, if you will pray, if you will call on the Lord right here, right here at your doorstep, if you're there, you know, you're door knocking. If you will do that right here. You can be saved right here. And you say, you mean me praying right here will save me more than those seven sacraments I did at that big fancy building with all those idols and statues of Jesus and Mary? You mean me just saying a prayer is going to do more than me making the effort of going to church and taking that communion, drinking the actual blood and eating the body of Christ? You're saying that that is going to do more than me going and confessing my sins to the priest. You saying that little prayer right there is going to do more than all my Hail Marys and Our Fathers that I did, and whatever all their other traditions are. I'm telling you, people, you're going to lose them on that many times because they are so caught up in their traditions and not realizing those traditions, all those things they have you doing, are causing you to violate. I mean, the command that will get you thrown into hell. Rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. Not having faith. And that's a huge problem right there causing them to violate Scripture in a way that will get them thrown into hell. And that's sad. And that's why, you know, people like me, and you know, we'll look at some of these traditions they have and it infuriates us. We hate those things. You know, I mean, it's it's... You know, Brother Steve, if you're out door knocking and you're talking to a guy and you're trying to tell him, hey, you can get saved right here. You can call the Lord right here and get saved right now. And you're saying that that prayer is going to do more than him being an altar boy all those years. You know, <laughs> is No, does not compute. He said, man, I was an altar boy. Yeah, somebody tell him that. He was an altar he, he know he, The guy knew he was going to heaven. How do you know you're going to heaven? Well, I was an altar boy for several years. Okay, now you and I know, <laughs> but for many people, okay, that's not going to work. I talked to a guy one time over the Sterling out knocking doors, and he was like, he was 80 years old, I believe, and had been a Catholic for 80 years, going to the same church for 80 years. And here comes a guy in his 30s trying to convince him that he needs to get saved. Well, he's way more saved than I am. He's been keeping all the traditions for 80 years. More than, you know, double my life. And I'm telling you, I mean, nothing 
was computing with that guy. All those years of traditions, that guy got spoiled through traditions of men, through philosophy, through veins deceit, the rudiments of the world. I mean, and those those traditions clearly, I mean, we, we know we understand what the Bible teaches, but they clearly violate scripture and those are a huge problems. Those things are wicked. Any tradition that keeps people from coming to the saving knowledge of Christ is wicked. That's one of the reasons we're careful about communion around here. We don't just give it to anybody who wants it. That It's for members only because many people think that them taking communion is going to help them get into heaven. Well, I don't want to make somebody think they're going... I don't want somebody coming here thinking, you know, I need to get to heaven. I've never taken communion. And so they show up here. And I don't know that's what it's all about. But you think, well, no, people don't think that. Yes, they do in many other religions. We all know better as Baptists, especially if you've grown up Baptists. You know better than that. People do. You know, baptism can become a problem when you're when you're if you're making somebody think they're saved because they got baptized. That's why before I baptize anybody, I try to make sure they understand. You know, this, this isn't getting you to heaven. You know that this is something that people who are going to heaven do. This is something that saved people do because for many people they turn baptism, water baptism, which is a good thing, into a tradition that represents something that it is not. And people can disobey God by getting baptized if they're getting baptized for the wrong reason. If they're getting baptized before salvation or if they're getting baptized for salvation. That is wrong. we got to watch those things. So, But traditions, they're also a problem when they're of no profit and they're a burden to people. Turn over to Matthew. Matthew chapter 15. This is the very same story that we read in Mark, but we get an extra detail here in Matthew chapter 15, verse 20. He says, These are the things which defile a man. That's you know, he talks about the murders, fornications, all those things. He said, These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Okay? Now, while there's nothing wrong with washing someone's hands, understand that many times people make traditions that are burdens on people and they're no profit whatsoever. They are of no benefit to anyone. They are just a burden to people. And we should not be creating burdens for people just so you know we can feel better about ourselves. We can feel like a more exclusive club because we only... Except people that you know do this or do that, you know things that the Bible doesn't even command us to do. Things that they don't profit anybody, and many times too, people they do they come up with these traditions, these commands, and you know it's a it's a no benefit to anyone. Okay, and um, you know I've heard of churches before. You know if you are going to be a member of that church and you're a lady. You have to wear a hat to church. Now, okay, churches can do whatever they want, I guess. You know, I'm not. But at the same time, you know, now everybody's got to go buy a hat. <laughs> and it's it's very clear in the Bible that you know the hair, the long hair, is the covering for the woman. You know, do we re, do we really need to do that? Is that really is that really necessary? If you want to have that tradition, you want to teach that. Hey, you know, ladies, back in the old days, women always wore hats to church. I think it's nice. I think it's classy or whatever. You know, let's do that. We want to be first class here as a church. Okay, you know, that's fine. But are, are you putting an undue burden on people? What if somebody's poor and they can't afford one? 
<laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know how much ladies' hats cost, but it just it really seems like a lot of trouble for nothing. I don't think we need to do anything like that. I don't think we need to uh, have just traditions that just cause burdens for people that aren't necessary. You know, we want all the members of our church, all the mayor members, you know, we're all going to get a special ring like, you know, like the Masons, you know, they have their Masonic rings with their logo and all that. And we want everybody, you know, all the male members of the church, uh, you know, we want you all to wear these rings to identify as a part of that church that way, you know, if uh, you're uh, ever on trial and, uh, you know, the judge is a member of our church and you're the one on trial and, you know, he sees your ring, he'll know, oh, hey, that's another member from Liberty Baptist Church. We'll be kind of like these secret societies, you know, they do those things, they got their hand signals and all that. You know, and, but, you know, these rings are going to be expensive, you know, because we don't want the riffraff in our church, you know, and so, you know, the, you know these are $2,000 rings you got to buy. This is tradition. This is what Liberty Baptist people, Liberty Baptist Church people do. No, you know, that's stupid. We're not going to do that. We're going to be putting an unnecessary financial burden on people for something that clearly has nothing to do with Scripture, that is not going to help anybody in their spiritual walk, and clearly isn't going to keep them from being defiled. And that's where we're getting to right here, because what is the purpose of traditions? Why do we why did Paul have traditions? Okay? What if we're going to have traditions, what kind of tradition should we have? You know, which kinds are beneficial? And I believe, based off what we read here in Mark chapter 7, that the whole point of any traditions or things we have is we should do things that are going to protect our heart. Because we see that the things that defile a man, it's not the outward things. Okay? It's not the germs and the bugs, okay, that you could get rid of by washing your hands. Okay? It's not those things. The things that defile a man are the things that come from within the heart. Those are the things that defile a man. It's not what you eat that will affect your heart. Now that sounds weird, doesn't it? Because what about all the trans fats, the McDonald's, okay? That's going to affect your heart. No, we're not talking about what affects the heart physically, okay? Alright, well, that's not what we're, that's not what Jesus was talking about. Yeah, there, there's things that you can eat that will hurt your heart, okay? Uh, we all know about cholesterol and stuff, but that isn't what Jesus was talking about. He was speaking spiritually, and food cannot defile you. In Acts chapter 10, we see the story of Peter when God wanted him to go to Cornelius' house, who was a Gentile, and he had that vision where there was all those unclean beasts, and God told him to kill and eat. And Peter said, I'm not going to do that. I've never eaten anything that was defiled or, or anything that was unclean. And God told Peter, what I've cleansed, call that not thou common or unclean. And that word defiled, you know, it means basically, you know, ceremonially profane, something that's common. He said, you know, anything that is common or unclean, uh, you know, unclean, unholy. In First uh, Timothy chapter four, turn over there real quick. First Timothy chapter four, verse one. It says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with the hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. You can eat whatever now. You can eat pork. You can eat skunk. You can eat possum. I mean, it's fine. It's sanctified. 
by the Word of God and by prayer. And so you're not going to defile yourself spiritually. You are not going to hurt your heart spiritually by what you eat. So, I heard they're putting a Dunkin' Donuts in town. Is that true? I hope it's true. Okay. Now, while that might hurt my heart, physically speaking, it won't hurt my heart spiritually. Amen. And so, I plan on being a customer. But anyway, you know, physically speaking, alright, yeah, but food cannot defile you spiritually. But here's, so then, here's what a lot of people like to do that. Hey, it's not what goes in that defiles a man. Therefore, anybody know where I'm going with this? If what you eat cannot defile you, well, what about what you drink? Because I'm going to tell you right now, if I ever drank alcohol, I would feel very defiled. I'm 35 years, you know, alcohol-free, you know, and getting close to 36. I would feel very defiled if I drank. So are you saying, hey, nothing wrong with that? What goes in the mouth can't defile a man, or what? How about this? What goes in the veins? Drugs, you know, whatever. But I'm here today to tell you that actually drugs and alcohol, they can defile you. Well, I, you know, no, what goes in the mouth can't defile a man. But no, actually drugs and alcohol, they will defile you. Not because of what it does to you physically, but because of what it does to your heart. Not physically speaking though, but spiritually speaking. What does it do to your heart? Look at Proverbs chapter 23, verse 29. I'm glad you asked me that. But Proverbs 20, verse 29 says, Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine. They that go to seek mixed wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last, it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Well, that's all physically speaking. We're worried about spiritually, right? Look at this. Thine eyes shall behold strange women and thine heart shall utter perverse things. You all see that? One of the reasons we're supposed to stay away from those things is they will affect our heart in a negative way. You will behold strange women. Your heart will utter perverse things. Many of the perverted things that people do, that defile a man. Like the adultery, the fornication, the murders. You know how many people that have committed crimes that are named here that are in prison today and they did it while under the influence of alcohol or drugs? Why did they do those things? You know why? Because they got defiled in their heart through the things, things like drugs and alcohol. You know, things like wine and alcohol that the Bible specifically warned us not to take part in. They cause, those things cause people's hearts to go bad. And those are the things that we preach against. Those are the things that we make a big deal about and maybe even make a tradition of, I guess you could say, are things that are affecting people's hearts. And there are, there are many things, many hobby horses, I guess you could say, that preachers have been on over the years. They've been based on the fads and trends of that day. But whether they know it or not, the reason that they're worried about all those things is because they can clearly see that these things that the world's getting caught up in are affecting the hearts of people, especially young young people. I remember a few years back, everywhere we went, all the youth conferences and stuff we went, everywhere we went, all the preachers were preaching against Twilight. I mean, preach there everywhere you went, preachers were all preaching against Twilight. You girls watching Twilight, you know, you can't watch I mean, everybody talked about Twilight all the time. 
you know, people are like, you know, it's just a movie. You know, what's the big deal about Twilight? You know, why why they make such a big deal about Twilight? Yeah, there's lots of other movies that are just as bad or worse. They don't say anything about that. Why do they pick on Twilight all the time? Well, here's the thing. Twilight, I think it did affect our culture. I mean, you know, that I know it was already kind of starting, but that really helped the whole vampire craze go nuts. And you know what? It also made helped make a lot of these gothy people popular. It also even got Christian girls who were sitting in there, listen to those things, dating and interested in dead guys, spiritually speaking. Lost boys. You know, it's this you know, movie about this girl, a living girl that falls with the un- in love with the undead. A vampire. Ah, it's just a movie. It's just fake. Well, you know what? You know, we, we shouldn't be fascinated with dead things. We shouldn't like dead things. And you know what? A Christian girl should have no interest in a lost boy. Ever. But you know what? They see these movies where the people break the rules and they, you know, they follow their hearts and they do what they want. And you know what? Many, many girls in Christian homes from Christian schools that went to good churches went after lost guys. Those movies, the problem with those movies is they were affecting the hearts of people. Yeah, Twilight wasn't the only one, but that was the one that was big. That was the one that was... I mean, those books were extremely popular amongst young girls. And it did. It had an effect on our culture. There's no doubt about that. It had an effect on the hearts of young people who watch those things. You know, and then a few years later, all the preachers all the time, they're all preaching against, you know, MySpace and Facebook. Okay? Why are they making such a big deal about MySpace, MySpace and Facebook? You know why? Because those things clearly affected the hearts of people. All of a sudden, you had these young people and even older people in the church, they're going and, you know, they're being taught the truth. They're trying to take a stand for the truth. And something that people like to do on social media is they like to brag about all the sin in their life. They're on there, you know, promoting all their rebellion and foolishness. You had young people going on there, you know, that were from churches that were taught the truth. They're posting pictures of them doing things that, you know, were clearly taught against in their church. It's like people get real bold on the internet. People think they can say whatever they want on the internet, and they are. They are so bold. And people were. They're going on there promoting this sin. You got all these liberal preachers out there, you know, promoting all their foolishness. And you know what? It affected the hearts of people. And the older preachers all saw it. They saw it coming a mile away. And you know what? Yeah, they ranted and railed on these things. And people saying, ah, oh, they're making a big deal about nothing. You know, they're not necessarily violating any commands. But let me tell you something. Those things were affecting people's hearts, and they still are today too. And I mean, and it's. It's terrible. Things have changed so much in fundamental Baptist churches. Preachers that I have known that, I mean, before all the social media stuff was around, I mean, they were straight down the line. They did. They started going on there. They started watching all that foolishness. You know, they didn't figure, they never figured out that people lie on the internet, that people, you know, they post things that make things look a certain way. It's so phony. And a lot of these guys were too foolish to see it. They got caught up into that. It got their hearts and it got them away from the truth. And I mean, what a change. What a horrible change we've seen. And the reason preachers preached against that is because they saw the hearts of their people being stolen. 
Today, you know what all the preachers are talking about today? Pokemon Go. Oh, you Pokemon zombies, you know, going around to this, you know, chasing after these Pokemon characters. Well, well, what's the big deal about that? It's just a video game. Well, you know what? Maybe the reason it makes preachers so mad is they see these people going around, walking the streets, looking for a stupid little character, all right, a Pokemon character. I remember, you know, I remember when I was on bus route. You know, all the bus kids were into Pokemon. They all had those Pokemon cards all the time. They're always bringing them, showing these stupid Pokemon cards. Pokemon, they heard about it all the time. They wore their t-shirts and stuff. And you know what? I had a tradition. I've had a tradition for years. If everyone's doing it, I'm not interested in it. And that, that's just how I am. And all the kids were into this stuff. And every one of these kids were all severely ADD, had horrible behavioral issues and stuff. And so I just associated Pokemon with bad kids. And so uh, I never let my kids do any of the Pokemon stuff, you know. And then, you know, and somebody came one time. It's like, hey, you know what Pokemon means, don't you? It's like the Japanese word or something for pocket monster. Okay, you know, I, that, you know that's not what worried me about it. <laughs> you know, but they, you know, they'll, they'll use these things to make a big deal. What's the big deal about Pokemon? Why are preachers so worried about people playing this game? There's nothing wrong with it. You know why? Because it bothers preachers that you can't get people to go out and walk the streets and knock doors and invite somebody to church, but they'll go walk the streets for hours so they can find Jigglypuff or whatever you know these different characters are. I'm telling you, and that's what bothers them. It's clear where people's hearts are at. Hey, your heart's more into a video game than it is to following the Lord and bringing people to Christ. And you know what? They're jealous over you with a godly jealousy. Why? Because it is clear people's hearts are not towards the things of God. And so they'll start preaching on these things and maybe making a tradition or something. And it's not anything that's necessarily bad, but they are trying to protect your heart. And we need preachers and we need parents today that will teach younger people to put up safeguards in their life so they can protect their hearts. Because that... It's what's in the heart that causes things to come out of you that will defile you. The adulteries, the fornications, the murders, the theft, the covetousness, all those things that were made. And if you have a tradition in your home that doesn't violate Scripture and it's capable of protecting your heart, you know what? I say I'm all for it. I'm I'm 100% for it. You know what? Do that same thing for a church. Hey, if we have a tradition, but it's about protecting the hearts of people, there's nothing wrong with that. Because here's the thing, protecting your heart is never a tradition. That's actually a command. Protecting your heart is a command. 1 Kings 8.61 Let your heart therefore be perfect with the Lord your God to walk in His statutes and to keep His commandments as at this day. Psalm 119 verse 1 Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep His testimonies and that seek Him with the whole heart. Proverbs 4.20 My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And I say, you know what? Let's protect our heart. Those are the things that defile us are the things that come out of us, the things that we do physically, but it all starts in the heart. If we can keep our heart clean, if we can keep our heart protected, we won't have to worry about being defiled. 
Yeah, not washing your hands, eating some those aren't going to defile you. Okay? But what's in your heart will, and the things you watch, the places you go, you know, all you know, whatever all these things, they are they are affecting the hearts of people. There is no doubt about that. If you if you think that what you you watch on television doesn't affect your heart, you know, I I gotta I'll sell you the Brooklyn Bridge. Alright? If you think, you know, I mean the you know, the things on social media that you're looking at all the time is not is not affecting your heart, boy, you know, you need to invest some money in some uh stock program I'm just making up right now. You know, it's you know <laughs> I mean I I, I should be able to take you to the cleaners easy. If you're that gullible to think those things don't affect your heart, and we've got to watch it, we've got to be careful, and we're going to constantly, be, you know, we're going to rail on the, you know, the fads of the day because they are they're wrong because they are they're stealing the hearts of God's people and causing God's people to do things that are sins and causing God's people to be defiled. And we don't want to be that way. So with that, let's all stand together.